enslaved, imprisoned, and innocent. Today we'll see an example of God's specialty, taking a hopeless situation and turning it into salvation. Thanks for tuning in to The Bible Brief. In our last episode, we summarized the lives of Abraham's twin grandchildren through his son Isaac. Their names were Esau and Jacob. And we eventually saw that Jacob, who struggled for blessing his whole life, became the receiver of blessing and a conduit for blessing to the whole world through the Abrahamic covenant. Jacob is renamed Israel, and the biblical nation of Israel is born as his descendants multiply, which all starts with Israel's sons. Now, in our last episode, we didn't go through the particulars of the birth of Jacob's sons, but it's a story you should read for yourself from Genesis 29 and 30. For our purposes, it will suffice to say that Israel has 12 sons from four different women. His two wives essentially have a competition among themselves that draws in two other women as well. So four women end up bearing 12 male children to Israel. And while the story largely focuses on the sons, these women bore daughters to him as well. Israel had lots of children. Now we're not going to spend the rest of this episode naming children and going through their stories. Instead, we're going to focus on one particular son, and his name is Joseph. He is the first son of Israel's favorite wife. Yeah, having a favorite wife is a weird thing to say, but it gets a little worse. Joseph is apparently his favorite son, too. Listen to this from Genesis 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a long-sleeved robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. You can tell that Israel's favoritism towards Joseph was not taken kindly by his other sons, and in their jealousy, they hated Joseph for it. But there's more. It says, Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Now within just a few sentences, the Bible says that the brothers hated him, hated him even more, and hated him even more as he dreamed about ruling over them. As readers, we know that this can't end well. Now, in the course of time, Joseph was sent to seek his brothers who were pasturing their flocks far away from Israel's home. And it says this, They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But ultimately, they refrain from killing him, and after conferring with one another, they decide to sell him as a slave to some traders who are passing by. They take his robe and return it to Israel as they say that a vicious animal has devoured their brother. Israel is distraught at the loss of his son. Meanwhile, Joseph is sold as a slave into the house of an official in the Egyptian government. He's traveled all the way to Egypt. After aiding in the success of the official and being elevated to manage his house, he's suddenly and falsely accused of trying to take advantage of the official's wife. Immediately, he is cast into prison. 
And yet, God was with Joseph. Even being in prison, God allowed Joseph to have authority and trust from the prison warden. God even gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams of others. Dreams, by the way, become somewhat of a theme in the Joseph story. Eventually, he successfully interprets the dreams of some prisoners, and eventually we see the Egyptian pharaoh have a dream. After searching far and wide for the dream's meaning, you can guess who he calls. It says this in Genesis 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So the Pharaoh proceeds to tell Joseph his dream, and Joseph replies with this, It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it, for the famine will be very severe. Further, Joseph advises Pharaoh on the right course of action, given the coming events from his dream. So now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming. Under Pharaoh's authority, store the grain in the cities, so that they may preserve it as food. The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. Pharaoh decides that the best man for the job is the one who's proven to be used by God to interpret his dreams. And on the spot, he makes Joseph essentially the second in command over Egypt, only answerable to Pharaoh himself. Quite a remarkable reversal of status. In one scene, Joseph goes from prisoner to leader of government with God's help. Hopelessness is never hopeless when God is involved. So Joseph gets to work, and he begins gathering the extra food during the time of plenty to prepare for the years of famine. And soon the famine comes, and it's bad. So bad that it encompasses the whole of the Near East, which includes the land of Canaan, where Israel and his eleven remaining sons reside. It says, The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country, and he sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. No, my lord, your servants have come to buy food, they said. We are all sons of one man. We are honest. Your servants are not spies. Joseph appears to have an opportunity for revenge, and in some ways he takes it. He certainly causes his brothers distress and grief, and while he eventually sent them on their way with grain, they knew that somehow they were being punished by God for what they had done to Joseph many years before. They just don't know that it's Joseph behind it. Now Joseph, before he allows them to leave, requires two things. 
One, that they leave one brother behind. And two, that when they return, they bring back their youngest brother, Benjamin. Benjamin was Joseph's only brother with the same mother. And Joseph secretly wanted to see his younger brother. Further, he hoped eventually to see his father Israel again. So the brothers all journey back to Egypt and plead for more food, which Joseph grants. Remember, they still don't know who he is. But secretly, Joseph has a steward hide a silver cup in Benjamin's bag, and then he sees them off. Early the next day, Joseph sends his steward after the brothers, and he demands that each brother open his sack to show that they did not steal a silver cup from Joseph. You can imagine how distraught the brothers are to learn that Benjamin had Joseph's silver cup in his bag. The one that they promised to return to their father, their father's favorite son after Joseph, stood accused as a thief from the leader in Egypt. One of the brothers tries to reason with Joseph that he might perhaps throw himself into slavery to allow Benjamin to return to his father. And at this point, emotions are at a tipping point. Joseph, hidden from his brothers for so long, can't hold it in any longer. Listen to this. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants, so he called out, Send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified at his presence. You can imagine how shocked and frightened of Joseph his brothers must have been. After all, they'd sold him into slavery. It says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here. For God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. So in the next several scenes, we see the reuniting of Israel with Joseph. As all the people of Israel, the Israelites now move to Egypt. The story essentially ends with perhaps one of the most famous statements in the book of Genesis. Reflecting on his brother's actions many years prior, Joseph says to his brothers, You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Joseph's life was in the hands of God, the one with the master plan, the true king of the world who used the evil plans of the brothers to accomplish the salvation of the Egyptians and of the Israelites, saving them all from starvation. Next time, we'll continue our jog through as we enter the book of Exodus. The story begins in earnest with an ominous statement. A new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. 
Are you enjoying the podcast? Leave us a five-star review on your podcast app. It will help people discover the Bible brief and be exposed to the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for helping us grow. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.